Welcome back to another episode of Lab of Fana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory, and today I have the pleasure of introducing you all to Elisa Spring. She considers herself to be an apprentice to eros and grief and is driven by the belief that every small act of truth-telling creates new pathways to intimacy. I met Alyssa way back in February of 2017 at our mutual friend Alessandra Belloni's Italian drum and dance retreat in Hawaii. And Alyssa was just a very special person with just an incredible presence that I find deeply healing. I've been watching her from afar on the on the Instagram raising beautifully wild children and I thought it was time to have her at La Bafana's table for a discussion that centers around what it means to become the elders we wish we had. Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bafana's table a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. It has been a long time coming, and I'm really excited to have you here. We're recording this Mm. on the summer solstice, which when I think of like a guest that kind of is that type of solstice magic, I would think of you. So I'm really happy how how it all has (laughs) unfolded for you to be here today. So welcome. Oh, thanks, Ina. Oh, it is sweet. I love how when I got your invitation reminder of like, hey, let's do this. And it felt like ages ago that, that you know, I was like, yeah, sure, when you invited me originally. Yeah. But that's what's beautiful is just like feeling into that space of like, oh, yeah, now is the time. And it was exciting to choose Solstice because I had a couple of options. And then I just felt like, yeah, that's let's make some magic together on Solstice. Let's mm, do it. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels really good. Thank you. So can you just introduce yourself a little bit to our friends here at Love of Funnest Table? And I want to hear kind of about the work that you're you're doing now and what's what's really alive for you in this in this moment. We yeah. talk a lot, you know, about crafting a future uh, with how we relate to our children. I'm always looking at your posts and you have like I, th- I describe when I look at her, I'm like, oh, she has free range children. And that it's just like such a beautiful, natural life you have. I've cultivated and I, I kind of want to, I want to hear more. Yeah. Wow. I always honestly feel this, there's this interesting part now, Dina, which I'm sure that you feel with like this whole introducing yourself and we have this weight or I can feel the weight of that. Like, oh, I need to say who I am and I need to like create this bio and let everybody know within like seven words who I am and what. Oh, yeah. Screw that. Um, Actually... Guys, I understand this is a podcast, but Elise is now going to interpretive dance who she is. So take a pause, close your eyes, and now she will introduce herself through an interpretive dance that you have to imagine. Oh, I love you. That's like the perfect thing, you know, because that's it. It's like, I just, it's interesting because it's such a big compliment when I've had people say that I'm a wordsmith of sorts or like recognize my writing and the way that I communicate. And I, 
I feel so, so incredibly honored to have that kind of reflection. And at the same time, the way that I've come into the world was, and, and this is relevant to how we met because we were dancing in folk tradition together and to get to do that communally, collectively. And so I think who I am at the essence mm. of me, like the deeper um, question of that is really like a being that came in really with dance guiding um, and expression through many modalities. But one of the ways is through movement. And I think that the way that I meet people in that place or um, and or meet my own ancestors in that place, like the way that I feel my connection to to it all into my lineage and to the lineages of the world, the web that is, you know, it's like through dance and through movement has been yes. such a big piece. And would I say that that's my work? No, but um, I think that at the same time, it's a piece of it because everything is informed by who I am and what I love and what mm. naturally is my medicine. And so this buzzword of somatics now that has come into being is beautiful. It's, it's, a place where I think that that is has always been a through line for me. And so I was in my previous incarnation, a movement coach. And so I did a lot of working with folks with movement. And so I was like the traditional personal trainer and mm. movement coach and did alignment specialty and all this stuff and studied all the technicalities of that. And then one day I was like, oh, my clients are reflecting me. This is really weird for them to call me their personal trainer or movement coach when we're doing all this soul work. Okay, maybe I should shift gears here and like actually do a little bit more of like, you know, not hide essentially. Like I was hiding in that for a while. And so can you, can you explain, you know, cause I, I feel like now there's so much less hiding in the world and like everyone is like feeling that ding, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need that deeper part of you that you think you can't share. And so can you, will you tell me a little bit of what was that process for you of going like, oh, I'm, I'm putting myself as this, but this is really cool what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can feel really back to that moment as you ask of like when that started percolating within me and and how difficult it was because it really, for me, required as for many, a, a real change in identity, the risk that I had to take that I may not be in relationship with the same people that I have been, mm -hmm. um, including including one of the biggest ones was my primary partnership, who I'm still partnered with. Mm -hmm. But at that time where I was really shifting, knowing that I needed to step out of like being in our gym space and and doing the kind of like corporate work that we were doing with that, I was like, Oh, I was pregnant with my third child, which was the first baby that my partner and I were having together. And of course, this little being was bringing in all the stuff as they do. And one of the things that this um, gorgeous now 11-year-old human was bringing, um, one of the free-range children that you're naming that you've seen, <laughs> is that um, through her essence, it seemed that I was really getting these messages of... Um, it's like I couldn't return. I literally couldn't. There was like a force bigger than me as we know how this works. And it was like I couldn't return. I would try to go back to this old identity. And let's just say my personal trainer identity, you know, like that packaged part of my my expression and my work in the world, my service, right? And so I would try and they're just, it would be like undeniably so that like my skin was crawling and I could tell in the energetics between my clients and me that it was like the container was too small, literally mm. and, and metaphorically. Mm. It was too small. And as I say that, it's like the ancestors were all like knocking, like, 
um, have to have other ways to let us through, you know, and the complexities of that were many. And I think the listening was really an essence to, to pause, to let die what was, to really come into a dark period of the unknown, to be in that next level invitation of initiation, because I had already gone through divorce and I had already gone through so many things that had been alchemical processes um, that took me to the underworld and back again. But it I, was an invitation. I do want to roll back a little because yeah. I think s- maybe some of my listeners are already like in the this languaging of initiation and so, like or and I think a lot of us come to the table with different notions of who are the ancestors, what are our relationships. So I, I do like to honor that that might be very different for everyone. So I would love for you to just say like, what is initiation? What have been some of the initiations of your life? Um, you know, so that we can just kind of make sure that we all have a sense of a shared vocabulary. Yeah, thank you. I think that that's so important and it slows down the process a bit to link things and weave things together into maybe um, going into this conversation that um, around elderhood and what that yeah. what that is and what that means. Yeah. Um, so to speak to initiation is um, in this moment, you know, that I think that what I can share about that is in my experience of that is something that is profoundly, profoundly beyond challenging that has the essentially the invitation at some level but not because you're just choosing and it's not this like, I'm going to go do this thing and I hope that it changes me. It's not the, I'm going to go to the retreat and I'm going to transform, right? right? <laughs> That's not what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, and, and I'm not downplaying that experience by any means because we do transform from these things as well. There's Absolutely. so many ways in which we can transform and have rebirth and experiences of metaphorical death. Um, so when I'm speaking to initiation, I'm speaking to, um, divorce as a death, for example, like going through divorce, something that I didn't plan to go through. Like I didn't get married so I could get divorced. Right. <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. Yeah. Um, so unplanned parts of life that come unexpectedly yes. and, and essentially demand that we grow way beyond what we would have chosen. Mm. And it, and it would become an initiatory experience also if we come through it, if we make it through that experience to hold the wisdom from that and to be able to share that. I, I love how you, um, how you frame that. And like an unplanned, you say, say it one more time because you're saying it's an unplanned event of life that is asking you with kind of like a not asking you nicely but it's asking you to grow way more than you would would have perhaps asked you would have perhaps asked or chosen you're like nah, actually i don't prefer this yes which which brings me to the kind of um where i i see that where i see more people needing languages around is is um the global pandemic to me was that unplanned collective invitation to grow way more than than what we prefer because i prefer to go to brunch on saturday you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's no lie i prefer, yes. 
to go to brunch. I prefer a whole lot of other things, but I feel like we're on an all hands on deck kind of part of life right now. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, I love that. Do you not? <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent to that. And yes. And in the return to the, the, the density of what you just named in stating the collective process that nobody was left out of, um, which is, you know, we were still in the process yeah. of mm. that, that yes, collective initiation. Exactly. Yeah. And I had so many dreams leading up to that right before the pandemic. And I remember feeling at that threshold where things were just about to tip to this, into this, um, this large journey of initiation for, for all, mm -hmm. um, that it was, yeah, I was like, I had this like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. I had that, that, oh, whoa too. Cause I was like, boom, did my dark night time to, you know, I was all like, yeah, thank God we've gone through a dark night. I'm ready to like take on the world. But I was like, not a global pandemic. <laughs> is that like, really? This is like, I, again, I would, I thought we just got out of this and now yeah. it's like, oh, the whole society is going through kind of what I feel like I went through before. Right. But on a and, massive scale. And so undeniably so that we're also connected. It's not just about this individual initiatory process. Yeah. It's a both and because of course, which that's a lens I really like to look through and to frame things with is that often so much in life is a both and there is a bothness to seeing that the importance of an individual's initiatory process, your mm -hmm. unique your unique experience, your story, your personal myth, yes, is so important. Mm -hmm. it, it's incredibly valuable, and to learn to integrate your story and to bring again, as we've come through our our own, whether that's one or two or five, or some people are here doing initiation after initiation, and so. I we both raised our hand. hand. We both raised our hand, going like, "Oh, <laughs> hi, friend, hi, hi, friend." That's kind of, you're like, "Oh, I just am shedding perpetually." <laughs> yeah, hence the honoring of the snakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so this part where it, it may not be everyone's personal path in this lifetime to live yeah. it like this, but the the global pandemic collective initiation has given us an opportunity as a collective to look at how if we didn't know before yeah. if we didn't see before how deeply connected we are and how undeniably important it is for us to recognize our human experience no matter how different we want to hold on to believe that we are no matter how many binaries we want to keep creating here we are in grief and suffering and pain and confusion and fear and we're going to be if we haven't already, we're going to be forever changed. And we don't know, I don't think for many of us, we know what that means. But I think for some humans, we're, we are um, feeling the the aspects of, of being in these years of that darkness together mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. individually. 
And I think that many of us, including myself, are relating to life in a very different way as a result. Yeah, and that that is that process of initiation. Like, undeniably, cannot relate to life and to death the same way. And I think there's a certain, at least for me, there's a certain genuineness or integrity. Like, my ability to lie to myself is getting less and less. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm totally lying to myself right now. Mm-hmm. I will pay for yeah. that. <laughs> yep. I totally. Yeah, I just made that decision to maybe make someone else happy or to keep myself safe. And like, I like on an inner level, I know it immediately and I know that there will be consequences for it. So I try to like get back to it as, as quick as possible. Right. Yeah. That what, what a beautiful thing. Right. And, and so incredibly painful. So let's be with the both end of the the, the hell. Right. And then those, those truths of, of, you know, this is so much of what my, my work and service yeah. in the world is, is working yeah. with people in these specific areas of the things you just spoke to of like the undeniable truths. You know, my Instagram, my business name is spells of truth, right? So yeah. there's coming into contact. And of course, we know that truth holds many different meanings for everyone. And that's yeah. exactly the invitation is that it's, mm. it's whatever is true for you that you recognize when we as humans have had these incredible coping mechanisms that have kept us surviving for so long and we've needed them and we have survived with them. And Mm. then when we can recognize as you just so beautifully and so very humanly put that, oh shit, I can't really do that anymore as much. And oh, that's just not possible. And then for me in echoing and extending upon what you just named with that, for me, what I have realized is that I will physically be in pain. I will feel it in my tissues and talk about like somatics like this is it this is the the body which is largely our unconscious saying like you can't do that anymore not that way and of course there's more nuance than that but this aspect of like yeah like really feeling it in the physicality of my body has been undeniable because of the relationship that i've cultivated with my body as as ally as you know as as teacher in so many ways I don't know if I'm thinking of the masses. I don't know that a lot of people look at their bodies as an ally. How does one approach the relationship with their body as you're my ally? We're in this together. Mm. <laughs> I can't deny your what you have. I think a yes. lot of people are like struggling in those places of the body is bad or, you know, or like there's a lot of different narratives that have kind of kept us separate from our bodies. And maybe have you always had like a strong body wisdom connection or would you say that that emerged at a certain time or point or through one of your initiations in life? Those are all great questions. Um, There's multi layers here. So I've been address the latter part of what you just asked and return to that inquiry that you had around like what is how do you do that how do you become allied or see your body as that um for me you know i'm not sure how you know at, at a soul level it, like did i come in with everything right this this very deep question mm-hmm. um it seems as though when i track back that i have almost always had a really deep connection with my body and i don't know if that's the result of my my demand to dance only like my parents said I really only wanted to dance like I didn't want to do anything else I wanted to dance and so mm-hmm. there was this connection with my body from the time I was three through dance 
and also that I spent a lot of time um, in my bedroom as a child, just really being and moving in my body. Mm -hmm. So there were these like sort of ritual practices I think I like cultivated as a child, you know, by myself and then in the group setting with dance. But then trauma like definitely severed me quite a bit from my body. And so I did have a long journey, I think, of working back to coming into a relationship with my body. The things that just popped in, as I said that, my last, well, all of my births, but specifically the last three children that came through, those processes were largely bringing me back into my body. And I did decide with my third and fourth to have home births. And that was very, very, very relevant to this conversation about coming back to trusting the body as an ally. Mm-hmm. Because, and I am an advocate for Western medicine. I'm an advocate for natural medicine. I'm an advocate for finding what works for all in terms of medicine. And for me, what I recognized that I needed to do was to trust deeper. Mm-hmm. I had grown up, my dad is a total hypochondriac. So actually, it was a lot of like not trusting the body. And so there was a lot of those deep messages. And so when I chose to have a home birth with my third child, which was a result of choosing to have a natural birth with my second child, which was amazing. And then I was like, I want to do this. I want to know my body at this level. And it changed so much within me to feel my body do exactly, like it knew exactly what to do. And this is my experience, but I got to feel that. And for me, that really informed the way that I related to my body after that. And there are many other things. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of intentional relating to my body and to noticing the difference between intellectualizing things and actually feeling things and loving them. And that's a big one, right? That's just big. I was writing a little bit about this this morning. And I think that we can talk about lots of things and thank God there's podcasts so we can like feel into things and weave webs of wisdom with Mm. our collective. Weave webs. I love (laughs) all the W's. And so there's the way in which to return to your earlier question, you know, around like, how do we ally? How does that happen? Like, say we're not going to have a baby or we're not going to study, you know, somatics as our path or, you know, what do we do then if that's not our path? If these things that I've named is not going to be it or dance isn't our passion, or we don't feel like we ever want to be in a crowd of people moving. <laughs> you know, there's lots of people who are never going to do that. Yeah. Right? Right? And um, and so a lot of my clients are not just like me, you know, yeah. they're diverse, and they're not going to yeah. be in those things. When I ask a question like that, what I always go to, I go to my mom, I think about my mom, because my mom is a type of person who will be like, as soon as it starts to sound too smart, whatever, I'm putting all of that that voice comes in of, I'm not smart enough for this. And it tunes out everything. So somatic this and that. A someone someone who, who's in their bed. Currently, my yep. mom is not moving from her bed. She phys- has physical ailments and like and a, a case of depression. So how does mm-hmm. one even like, you know, I'm not going to go take a somatics course. I'm not going right. to be certified, yada, yada, yada. Yep. And I make an invitation to see my body as an ally without having to go now be the, you know, the somatics coach, you know, like for everybody else. Totally. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to say that because I want to speak to the direct question of what my story is in my relationship and then extend that and say, and also 
there's all of this in terms of what accessibility, what entry points, what are the simple ways? How do we make bridges to these things? Yes. And when I did a lot of study in, into trauma training too, one of the most basic things actually was about being able to cultivate a like the tiniest subtle sensation of pleasure, like to actually work with an intention. And you see my fingers as I'm doing this, right? Yeah. It's like, how can we actually open up our intention to feel sensation in our bodies that, that for this part of the conversation, that feels good. Mm. So often we're attuned to pain mm. and that's important as well. But the sensation of like, what feels good? What feels good to me on my skin? Mm. And so maybe it's as simple as touching one's own skin, right? Yes, exactly. You're already yeah. doing it as, you know, maybe it's as simple as like, oh yeah, there's like this simple pleasure that I don't even access because I'm not thinking about the truth that I can, I can actually create a pleasurable sensation right here by myself while I'm on Zoom with Dina. Yeah. And so Dina and I are sitting here like mirroring each other and we're like rubbing our hands and touching. And that's just naturally what started happening. <laughs> but so there's like all this joy, right? As we're sharing this, but there's something that in the body that starts to happen relationally in a remembrance of like, oh, right, I can initiate this experience. Right. And it could be conscious. You know what I mean? Like you touch your hand, you do this, you wash the dishes, but then like, how do hand meet my other hand? How are you guys doing? <laughs> whoa. I mean, because really, whoa. Re- if you really, wow. <laughs> exactly that. If a body in this hand is like meeting this hand. I'm like, what if they met each other for the first time? Totally. And I've had these experiences so much in the simplicity of that, of like, oh, wow, I've lived in this body for 45 years and I still like, this is like a new sensation. Whoa, there's opportunity to have new sensations or a new perception of a sensation with my body that I've never had before. That's available. That is available. Yeah. And and it doesn't require being able to get out of your bed. It doesn't require the things that we just talked about briefly around these much more maybe um, less accessible states yeah. of of experience, or or maybe just something that that people aren't even interested in. It's the simplicity yeah. of that connection, and so that even as a practice, Betty Martin is a wonderful um, resource. She created the wheel of the wheel of consent, and I've done some trainings with them. I'm mentioning that right now because she has a practice um, that's called waking up the hem, and it really is largely associated with waking up sensation in the hands mm. and. It is, I think, one of those wonderful tools. She's got a link on her website if you want to go. Um, and I can put that, give that to you. But there, there's, there are these like very simple practices, very accessible. And I think that for me, that's one of the things that I've been learning through time as well is that healing, for example, the way that accessing healing, it, where, some of it is just so complex that it can it, like you what you said about your mom i have felt when i've taken things as a student been like i feel like it's actually like trying to keep me out like i can't where do i get in like what why do i have to jump through 10 hoops in order to do this thing that as a human that i want to do and you're probably on to something because there's a lot of people who make a lot of money from keeping things overly complex 
Yeah, there are. And I, I'm still learning about this and I'm seeing and living into the principles of these aspects of simplicity as access, access points for actually not making things so complicated. Feeling feelings is about as advanced of a somatic practice you can get. You, you cry when you feel grief. Man, I've been doing some deep stuff that I didn't even know it. I should have a doctorate in feeling feelings. I'm like an emotional ninja. I, I love, love emotional ninja. Because <laughs> oh, feelings, my feelings, your feelings, am I feeling feelings in relation to you feeling feelings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feeling feelings. Like, I mean, and it is the paradox of it all is it is so complex for so many of us humans to get there, to actually feel the feelings. That's the crazy part is it is extremely complex. There are a yeah, lot of, of course phases of that journey, right? To get to that place to feel quote unquote safe enough to feel, right? Mm. And yeah. finding what what that is for each of our bodies. Yeah. Finding out what that is for us. And that is very unique to us and our story and our experience. And so that's part of some of the complexities paired with the simplicity. Mm. Sometimes sometimes feeling pleasure can be overwhelming to somebody like, oh, I can't feel that much. Is that okay? Can I feel that much joy? Can I feel that much pleasure? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But going slow actually yeah. can be really important for some bodies. And I think personally, I'm uh, less a proponent of catharsis. And of, if it's naturally happening, yes, but like trying to poke catharsis, I think is we're doing a lot of damage in a lot of ways with doing too much too soon before our whole system can integrate and really understand what's happening on all the layers and levels. I agree with you a lot. And I, I think that is a little extra as we kind of go into how do we become the elders that we wish we had. I wish maybe someone said to me earlier, Dina, the creator, your ancestors, they're really for you and you can go gently. Things are still an experience if they're not like this, oh, you know, not everything has to be this like wild, you know, I feel like we don't think something is real unless it has a level of catharsis or like that hyper emotionality in some way. Yes. Yeah. I feel that really deeply as well. And I also sense that that pull or magnetism that some of our collective, including myself at different times and being drawn to that yeah. is also like, I just want to be able to feel. Yeah. I want to feel. We live in a numb mm. culture so much of yeah. the time for reasons that we understand. Yeah. And so the, the yearning to feel, the longing to feel, like to feel ourselves and each other and just be so like in awe of being human. And the sensations that go along with like feeling the whole spectrum of humanness. Right. And that's why I say like, I say who I am. Part of my, my bio is like, I'm an apprentice to grief and eros. Like I, so, I'm apprenticing to it all. Like yeah. that's the best descriptor, descriptor I've got. Like across oh. the board. Because aren't those our greatest teachers? I mean, that we sit humbly at their feet. <laughs> If there is anything that I sit humbly at, it is those things, those Reasoning. beings in himself, you know, like, yeah, this, this 
And Eros to me is like this undeniable life force, this undeniable, like here in Hawaii, it's, it's Marna, you know, this, this energy and life force that I, that I feel and sense comes from nature itself through us as this part of our birthright. You know, this is part of our birthright. And in that, there is also this relationship that will naturally be to grief as a result. And as opening, you know, more pathways and channels open to love, the eros, the life force, there is all of the opening to the grief and all of the opening to the sadness and the fear of feeling that and the fear of being fully inhabited by those energies. So for you, right, is it we're afraid of it or we don't know how to actually make space for them? Or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot. There is a, a lot. And I, uh, I have felt that earlier in my journey of going, feeling so strange as to going, why am I fearing all this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to a place I felt like, okay, I need to go and I need to go hide in the corner because not everyone else is feeling this level of feeling. <laughs> yeah. And then realizing like, no, you're not supposed to go in the corner and hide. You're supposed to be right where you are, feeling all your yeah. feelings. Well, and I think that even just that that imagery, Dina, of like the hiding in the corner, because, oh my gosh, yes, I mean, I've been been trying to hide, you know, <laughs> I'm still good at it. I still get, to, yeah. you know, like, I, you know, once you carve out that ability to <laughs> and and hide. But when that hiding is also saturating oneself in shame. Mm. It's a very different thing, and you know. And shame, I love. There's, there's the way shame's complex, of course, but the coming out and being seen is part of the um, unraveling from shame, the like grip of shame, right? Mm-hmm. And so, when we actually speak about our human experience in such an honest way, such a truthful way, there, I believe that 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 really lets some of that shame starts to really, yeah, it moves. Yeah. It starts to move. And it, it, that grip that it has upon the constriction that we feel when we're in shame. I think a lot of people have shame and they don't even realize it's shame, right? There's just, mm-hmm. it's just very insidious there. It's like, oh, I'm just, even just shame to be human, shame to feel all of our feelings. And I think this is part, you know, bridging to that, that elder. Like, yeah, I think for me in terms of eldership is like, I, when I can be with someone not based upon their their age, you know, Michael Mead, the mythologist storyteller, he, he talks about how the difference between getting older and becoming an elder, because it's not about age, it's not about becoming older. We've got plenty of older folks who are not necessarily elders because elder means we've extracted that wisdom from life and and that we're actually able to integrate that, share that and and again, for me, I see that as a place of like someone in an eldership is like non-judgment because they've been through all. They know the self-deprecating ways. They know what it's like to be in self-hate. They know what it's like to live with shame. They wow. know what it's like to die a thousand deaths, you know, metaphorically. Yeah. And so that's why in the presence of an elder, we are like, oh God, we can just be ourselves. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's where, for me, that's where Labafana's table comes in because I feel like for me, that's the, and I'm sure there's a multitude of elders that one could imagine, right? I yeah. have named this table after Labasana because for me, me like that elder, like, okay, 
Yeah. If who else has seen it all, if not like an old woman for thousands of years who has seen, you know, empires collapse and, yeah. uh, you know, and is still searching for baby Jesus and giving people gifts. Like, <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> we can't be that shitty of a human being. You know what I mean? Like, they're, see, they're all workable. <laughs> oh, that's so... And how incredible. I mean, just the magic that you do bring, Dina, and, and just to you describing that, because of course it'd be, I, we're in this, this relationship, this conversation. And I, I also want to just honor the way that you've chosen to work with that and how you've allowed that to come through you. And, you know, I've just seen bits from afar, but also yeah. energetically can feel what you've been crafting into being through relationship with, with her mm-hmm. and what that, would you say that La Bifona is also like an archetypal, um, yeah, being of sorts that yeah has been revealed herself to you more and more over time, I would imagine? Yeah, more and more, you know, like that's that kind of guide, right? Like, oh, show me the way. And, yeah. you know, I'm sh- being shown the way, you know, what I love about that story is their perpetual flight. She's perpetually doing it. This never endingness to it. There's something here that that lasts. Now, right at about this point in our conversation, Alisa and I had some technical difficulties. Our Zoom cut out multiple times. We had a nice laugh attempting to connect across the, you know, the web. Abafana's table was extending all the way to Hawaii in our conversation. And so we had some technical difficulties. We got back on the line, recorded continue to have an amazing conversation, what it means for us to become the elders that we wish we had at when we were going through uh, certain initiatory journeys of our own lives. And um, of course, those files would not convert on Zoom. So I will leave you just with this kind of message that we felt was really coming through for us at this time that you know, our ability and our the technological advances that we have are so incredible, right? That Lapafana's table can um, extend from, I don't know, my imagination and my apartment in Harlem to Elisa's table over in Hawaii to wherever else this may go. And yet some of the most important connections that we can have, I can like hear Labafana's voice in my head. Indina, begin right where you are. That um, while we can embrace uh, the beauty of technology to connect us, the most important work that we can do in becoming the elders that we wish we had had is to do that right from where we are, to connect eye to eye people in our own neighborhoods, to have these conversations, to to share the wisdom of our own journeys, because that is what it really means to be an elder, to have gone through whatever life initiations that we have gone through, um, and having gone through them and gotten through them to the other side uh, with some wisdom, to share that and to share that generously with the people in our midst, because we have no idea the ways in which we can transform people's lives. Uh, so again, just to 
take this point home, if we really want to become the elders that we wish we had had at earlier points in our lives, it comes from sharing. It comes from sharing the, the wisdom that we have gained, knowing that we're still learning, that we're never going to stop learning, that we are lifelong learners. And yet we still have the ability to share the wisdom that we've gotten from each of the initiations of our lives. So I just want to encourage um, someone out there who's listening this to, to this today. Please do not wait to some illusion of perfection for you to start sharing the wisdom of your journey. And you're still on a journey and you're still learning, but there are, there are gifts that you have received from having gotten through whatever you have gotten through and those gifts need to be shared. And I want to encourage you to share them in simple ways, starting right from where you are. Please don't fall for the things that I have fallen for. Like, it has to be big, and it has to be this, and it has to be blah, blah, blah. There are people who are desperate for the medicine that you have to offer. So please ask yourself, how do I become that elder I wish I had? And how do I do that right now? Holding on to a sense of humility that you can both share what you know from your lived experience while still growing and learning because the learning never stops. Love you all from Labafana's table to yours. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to Labafana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.